right, hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan. Today we're going to be doing a, another Bill Me segment. We're going to be looking at Florida House Bill 7, which has been dubbed the Stop Woke Act. This one has been dubbed that by his supporters instead of by those opposed to it this time, unlike the Don't Say Gay Bill. So, uh, today we're going to talk about, to start with, what exactly does this bill do? We're going to talk about some of the claims that people have been saying, especially those who are opposed to this bill. And then I'm going to, as always, give you the full rundown. This one is a little bit longer. It's about 30 pages, actually exactly 30 pages. So we will go through it in its entirety. But let's start uh, first by telling you that you, if you have not already, please like and subscribe to this channel. Hit those notifications so you know when we're going live or in some instances when we are going pre-recorded. Uh, but that, that helps us a lot. And uh, if you subscribe to us, then you know when we've got all of our special guests coming on, etc. So that really helps. So now we can talk about some of the claims. So number one, the claim has been thrown around that this law is going to erase LGBTQ community histories, rights, etc. Uh, it also says that this law is going to erase black history and native history because they're saying that in the effort to curtail critical race theory or CRT, then you are not accurately teaching history. And what you'll see when we actually go through this bill, that's not actually the case. Um, and I've also heard people claim kind of in tangent with that, that unless people are forced to learn these concepts, not the history of the U.S., not the history of slavery, um, not the, uh, the, the ways in which Latino communities, the Hispanic communities, the uh, women in U.S. history, uh, the blacks and African Americans have benefited U.S. in all of its history. But instead, the more racial essentialistic ideas, the teachings of like Robin DiAngelo and Ibram X. Kendi, that unless we teach that basically your immutable characteristics, whether it be your skin color um, or your sexuality, that there are oppressed groups and oppressors just by nature of those characteristics, then we're never going to understand true diversity. Also related to that is the idea that unless you're forced to learn these things, then they'll never hear about it, period. And also there's the claim that this law creates an inequitable environment. And that is an important word. You've heard me talk about the difference between these before, probably. Um, or if you're new, then welcome to my distinction between uh, inequality and inequity. Inequality means that there is not equal opportunity. Inequity means that there's not equal outcome. And Joe Biden's party has now switched to the idea of we need equity. Not we need equality, we need equity, meaning that everything has to be the same across all demographics. And the problem with that is that it doesn't account for things like personal choice, doesn't include things um, like just differences that we have, whether it be demographic, etc. And it would also say that, for example, if I make less than someone, then it has to do with my immutable characteristics gender, sex, race, etc. Not because of personal choices. Like for me personally, I chose to go into the university. I'm not going to make the same as an engineer. And that's just a personal choice that I've made. And what this, this Florida law is trying to do is make sure that we provide equal opportunities, but that we don't micromanage people and control for their personal choices. We teach them personal responsibility. Another criticism of this law is that this law is unnecessary. It's redundant because critical race theory either doesn't exist or it's just teaching the history. And uh, go look at the numbers and the specific textbooks that Ron DeSantis says this is not teaching math. This is not teaching history. This is teaching racial, racial essentialism. This is teaching critical race theory. There was something like uh, 75 books. I think 50 of them had to be revised before they were sent back and were approved by the Florida Board of Education. So this, this is there. Now that we've established that that's there, um, I'd like to talk about what this bill 
bill specifically does. And then we're going to get into uh, the exact text. It's going to be long, but it's worth it because a lot of the wording will help support everything that I'm saying right now, that this bill is specifically designed to help individuals of all races, creeds, ethnicities, uh, sexual orientations, etc., to actually have a higher quality of life. So here is the summary, and this bill does a lot. And you'll you'll see why it's 30 pages. So number one, it says that your job, your credentials, your membership, certification, all of that cannot be dependent on diversity training. So right after George Floyd summer of 2020, we saw that a lot of bigger corporations, they were requiring struggle sessions, diversity, um, equity training through like Robin D'Angelo, who notably is a white woman would come in and would charge thousands of dollars to do some kind of diversity training and would basically say, because you are white, you are an oppressor. Because you are black, Latino, etc., you are inherently oppressed. And that class, those immutable characteristics are impossible to overcome. This bill is basically saying you you cannot require that because these people would would not be able to maintain their job unless they went through these specific diversity trainings. And it's saying you cannot assert, and this is the specifics here, you cannot assert that one race, color, sex, or national origin is superior or inferior. You cannot assert that one group is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive. You cannot assert that moral superiority or privilege or oppression is based on immutable characteristics, i.e. skin color. No individual should be made to feel guilty or responsible for the actions of others who bear similar characteristics to that individual, but the individual played no part in that. So, for example, by nature of my skin being white, a lot of these sessions, especially the teachings of Robin D'Angelo, uh, Robin D'Angelo and Ibram X. Kendi, would say that because of those characteristics... I have contributed to or at least benefited from systems of oppression. It's saying that unless you explicitly are engaged in discrimination, racism, sexism, then you can't be held responsible for similar groups, historic or even current behaviors. You are individually held responsible. This is why this is actually more effectively called the Individual Freedom Act through the actual title of the bill. You also can't, uh, immutable characteristics should not be a reason for discrimination, positive or negative is what they put in the specifics of the bill. You cannot subject any employee or student to the teachings that I just mentioned, or else that is going to be considered discrimination against whoever is subjected to that. The following virtues are also not to be deemed racist, sexist, etc. Um, and these four right here were the ones that were specifically outlined. Merit, excellence, hard work, and fairness. And you might be asking yourself, well, when, when have those ever been considered like a, a trait to a particular ethnic group? Well, interestingly enough, in 2020 slash 2021, the Smithsonian had a whiteness exhibit and said that things like individualism, hard work, objectivity, respect for authority, and the nuclear family were basically systems of oppression because they are a part of the, the whiteness um, and saying that those are exclusive to that group. Florida's saying you, you, you can't say that those um, human characteristics are just exclusively monopolized by one particular group or that it's discriminatory to believe in things like individualism, hard work. Now we see um, the bill also touches on specifics for students. Students must be taught in accordance with state curriculum standards at the K through 12 level. Students will be taught the true and complete history of the United States. And they do specify this. It includes the history of slavery and the also they need to include in their curriculum prominent black Americans. 
Uh, so think like Frederick Douglass, et cetera, those who contributed significantly to U.S. history and its development. That has to be included. They don't specify exactly who or what or when, but they need to be taught the true and authentic history of the United States, including all of the ugliness that was slavery, uh, prejudice, Jim Crow era, et cetera. That cannot be excluded. It must be included. It's also why earlier I said that that's not really a, a fair um, attack on this bill to say that it erases this because it actually specifically includes those teachings. The curriculum will also include the study of women's contributions to the U.S. and its history. It will also include the study of Hispanic contributions to the U.S. These are like specific things that they allocate for. Students will be taught U.S. values such as individualism and personal responsibility. Students will be taught about relational and sexual violence and abuse. And they do note it has to be age appropriate. Uh, but they do talk about how they're now including in their curriculum both like the uh, symptoms of domestic violence, how to deal with all of that, escaping bad relationships, etc. This bill establishes the second week in November as the Holocaust Education Week, and it expands education to include life skills, K through 12. One of the specifics of that is they need to be taught a financial literacy class, banking, checking, taxes, etc. Um, and some of those other skills, in addition to finance, include communication, near and dear to my heart, uh, conflict management, and just general organization. Instruction should be consistent with the principles of individual freedom is one thing that they note. Students must have equal quality of access. One specific thing that they note is that um, male and female students must have equal opportunities for things like uh, sports at the high school and the university level. And then it does note that if a university or a high school or middle school, et cetera, uh, whatever institution in Florida is doing this, if they want to make a bathroom based off of gender rather than sex, then it stipulates that that bathroom has to be, if it's going to be separate, then it must be comparable to the other. So for example, if the university has like a male and a female bathroom and then they've got one for, um, whether it wants to be for family, transgender, uh, non-binary, et cetera, just open bathroom, they can't just have this crappy little thing and say, yep, good enough. Like it actually has to be on par. So that is everything that is specifically highlighted in the bill. And uh, we're going to find some background music to play as I read through this just to, just to you know, keep it, keep it, uh, get some nice background noise. Okay, so that is everything summary. Now let's go ahead and let's look into the specifics of the bill. And I've got the text pulled up here if you're on our live. Otherwise, just listen and uh, sit tight. Okay, an act relating to individual freedom amending uh, section 760.10, providing that subjecting any individual as a condition of employment, membership, certification, licensing, credentialing, or passing an examination to training, instruction, or any other required activity that espouses, promotes, advances, inculcates, or compels such individuals to believe specified concepts constitutes discrimination based on race, color, sex, or national origin, providing construction, amending section 1000.05, providing that subjecting any student or employee to training or instruction that espouses, promotes, advances, inculcates, or compels such individual to believe specified concepts constitutes discrimination based on race, color, sex, or national origin. Conforming provisions to changes made by the act 
amending S1003.42, revising requirements for required instruction on the history of African Americans, authorizing instructional personnel to facilitate discussions and use curricula to address in an age-appropriate manner, note, age-appropriate manner, specified topics, prohibiting classroom instruction and curricula from being used to indoctrinate or persuade students in a manner inconsistent with certain principles or state academic standards requiring the department to prepare and offer certain standards and curriculum. So note here that they just said you have to go along with state academic standards and in the specifics they will outline who gets to determine those standards. It is actually not the legislator. Um, but also it's requiring the department to prepare and offer certain standards um, towards the end of this in like the last five pages or so. The bill actually outlines that you have to have specific standards that is set by the education board. It's not even by the legislator, but they're requiring that and then they're handing it off to have more specifics. Authorizing the department to seek input from a specified organization for certain purposes. There's also going to be um, a required transparency, which is why this ties into the, parent, uh, the Parental Rights and Education Act that was also just signed into law um, to where the public gets to see what is going on behind these closed doors. Revising the requirements for required instruction on health education. Requiring such instruction to comport with certain principles and include certain life skills. Requiring civic and character education instead of a character development program. Providing the requirements of such education. Providing legislative findings. Requiring instruction to be consistent with specified principles of individual freedom. Authorizing instructional personnel to facilitate discussions and use curricula to address, in an age-appropriate manner, specified topics. Prohibiting classroom instruction and curricula from being used to indoctrinate or persuade students in a manner inconsistent with certain principles or state academic standards. Conforming cross-references to changes made by the act requiring the State Board of Education to adopt a specified curriculum to be made available to schools for a certain purpose. Amending S1006.31, prohibiting instructional materials reviewers from recommending instructional materials that contain any matter that contradicts certain principles. So as we get through this first portion of the first, let's see, we're on page three or so now. Uh, it's very vague, very broad. And then they do outline those standards. So if that was one of your concerns, I promise we get into the specifics here in a little bit. They amend section 1012.98, requiring the Department of Education to review school district professional development systems for compliance with certain provisions of law. Amending. Sections 1002.20 and 1006.40, conforming cross-references and providing an effective date. When will this go into law? They have to outline all of this. Be it enacted by the legislator of the state of Florida, section 1. Subsections 8 through 10 of section 760.10, Florida statutes are renumbered as subsections 9 through 11 respectively and a new subsection 8 is added to that section to read this unlawful employment practices 8a subjecting any individual as a condition of employment membership certification licensing credentialing or passing an examination to training instruction or any other required activity that espouses promotes advances inculcates or compels such individuals to believe any of the following concepts constitutes discrimination based on race color sex or national origin under this section 
So this is very specific details outlining where are they amending current law. Now, 8A.1. <laughs> These numbers are something else. Members of one race, color, sex, or national origin are morally superior to members of another race, color, sex, or national origin. Now, note, it's saying that under the law, if this is being taught, it's going to be considered discrimination. You can no longer teach as some of the training, Ibram X. Kendi, Robin D'Angelo would state that based off of race, color, sex, you're morally superior inherently. It would also guard against, given the language, someone who is a white nationalist, white supremacist from teaching the same thing, but that hasn't been a recent problem in the school system or the training system. So they're one way or the other. It's keeping this out. So regardless of what you're thinking, it would fall under that. It would prevent it as discrimination. We're, right now we're going through the list of things that would be considered discrimination. Number two, an individual by virtue of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. This has also been a more commonly thing emerging that it is, um, some, even if you're not consciously racist or discriminatory by nature of your skin, you can be unconsciously racist and it, it biases your behavior. Number three, an individual's moral character or status as either privileged or oppressed is necessarily determined by his or her race, color, sex, or national origin. Now, you, again, might be thinking, are they really teaching this in school? Actually, yes. Uh, you can look it up. There is actually curriculum that has, I don't know that it was in Florida or if they're just preemptively guarding against this, but they had like checklists. Like you, you go through and young children are basically telling up how um, oppressed or privileged they are and things like skin color, race, sex, etc., are counted as either privileged or falling under a class that is oppressed. So this is something that has been in the school system. Number four, members of one race, color, sex, or national origin cannot and should not attempt to treat others without respect to race, color, sex, or national origin. Number five, an individual by virtue of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin bears responsibility for or should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment because of actions committed in the past by other members of the same race, color, sex, or national origin. Number six, an individual by virtue of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment to achieve diversity, equity, or inclusion. Now, what's interesting to me here is that they are kind of diving into both the concepts of positive and negative discrimination. That's just what I'm terming it. I don't know what the actual thing is, but think of it this way. Affirmative action stating that a university can only receive federal funding if they check off a certain number or percentage of their students as being of X race, sexual orientation, etc. It seems like Florida is now pushing against that in their legislation. I'm not going to comment today on whether or not I think this is positive or negative, but it does seem to be that that is what the bill is doing, at least at the K through 12, as well as the collegiate level when it comes to the state anyway. Number six, an individual by virtue of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin should be discriminated against or... I, I read that one, sorry. Uh, number seven, an individual by virtue of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin bears personal responsibility for and must feel guilt, anguish, or other forms of psychological distress because of actions in which the individual played no part, 
committed in the past by other members of the same race, color, sex, or national origin. And this is why I say that critical race theory, when it is boiled down, is racial essentialism. Now, I guess I, I'm going to interject some opinion here today. <laughs> what they're saying through the critical race theory that has been making its way into K through 12 in its simplest form has been that either based off of the color of your skin, the immutable characteristics, you are falling into the categories of oppressor or oppressed. Racism has now been defined, including by the UCLA, uh, not just implemented in school systems as racism has to be behavior plus power. So this is why they say racism only cuts one way and Florida is pushing back against that idea. Number eight, such virtue, oh, and actually before I get into number eight, they're pushing back against that and they're also saying at the same time though, this cannot be used to discriminate against people and they'll get into that in a second, but it's also saying that we cannot just lump people in by the categories of gender, race, sexual orientation, nationality, etc. It has to be, you bear individual responsibility for your action and that's it. Now let's get into eight. Such virtues as merit, excellence, hard work, fairness, neutrality, objectivity, and racial colorblindness are racist or sexist or were created by members of a particular race, color, sex, or national origin to oppress members of another race, color, sex, or national origin. Any of that will now be considered discrimination. Uh, B. Paragraph A, what we just read, may not be construed to prohibit discussion of the concepts listed therein as part of a course of training or instruction provided such training or instruction is given in an objective manner without endorsement of the concepts. This is why I said at the beginning that the claim that it's either going to erase or erode specific communities, whether it be LGBTQ or whether it be um, black history, whether it be native history, Latino history, this paragraph B prevents that from happening. They're saying we're balancing here. You can't require that these people agree with these concepts that they are inherently racist, sexist, etc. based off of the color of their skin or their gender or their sex. But at the same time, you can still discuss these things. It just cannot be taught as this is the way that it is. That's what that paragraph prevents against. Section 2. Subsections 4 through 8 of Section 1000.05, Florida Statutes, are renumbered as subsections 5 through 9. This is just getting into the technicalities of what are they referring to and where as we continue to read. Subsections 2 and 3 present uh, present subsection 4 and paragraph D of present subsection 6 are amended and a new subsection 4 is added to that section to read the following. Discrimination against students and employees in the Florida K-12 public education system prohibited. Equality of access required. 2. A. Discrimination on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, disability, religion, or marital status against a student or an employee in the state system of public K-12 education is prohibited. If you are watching this on the live, you'll note that there are lots of things that are struck through and lots of things that are underlined. If you look at the bottom of this page here, it explains that words stricken through are deletions. Words underlined are additions. Just keep that in mind. 
As I'm reading this, if you're doing the audio only on our podcast, you're not going to pick up on that. I'm just going to read you what the current amendments say. But if you're watching live, just note that that's what that is. No person in this state shall, on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, disability, religion, or marital status, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any public K-20 through education program or activity. Note that this extends beyond high school into college. Uh, any public K-20 through education program or activity or in any employment conditions or practices conducted by a public educational institution that receives or benefits from federal or state financial assistance. Now that right there is interesting because arguably a private institution or a religious institution is not going to fall under this clause, which means that if there's a private university and they want to disregard this, they're not going to be subjected to this law. And the reason being that they are not, as a private university, receiving benefits from federal or state financial assistance, presumably. Maybe they do. And if they do, then they're subjected to this law. But if they don't, then they're not. Okay. Uh, clause B, the criteria for admission to a program or course shall not have the effect of restricting access by persons of a particular race, color, national origin, sex, disability, religion, or marital status. Again, cutting both ways. You cannot have that as a criteria to be entered. You also cannot have that as a criteria to exclude. All public K-20 education classes shall be available to all students without regard to race, color, national origin, sex, disability, religion, or marital status. However, this is not intended to eliminate the provisions of programs designed to meet the needs of students with limited proficiency in English, gifted students, or students with disabilities or programs tailored to students with specialized talents or skills. D. Students may be separated by sex for a single gender program as provided under uh, section 1002.311 for any portion of a class that deals with human reproduction or during participation in bodily contact sports. So again, if you might have been concerned that this is now eliminating uh, the separation of sports based off of sex or is um, just going to force that all students be in the same class for sex ed, it does make that exception. Decide from that what your thoughts are. For the purpose of this section, bodily contact sports include wrestling, boxing, rugby, ice hockey, football, basketball, and other sports in which the purpose or major activity involves bodily contact. E. Guidance services, counseling services, and financial assistance services in the state public K-20 education system shall be available to students equally. Guidance and counseling services, materials, and promotional events shall stress access to academic and career opportunities for students without regard to race, color, national origin, sex, disability, religion, or marital status. 3A. No person shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participating in, be denied the benefits of, or be treated differently from another person or otherwise be discriminated against in any interscholastic interscholastic intercollegiate club or intramural athletics offered by a public k-20 educational institution and no public k-20 educational institution shall be provi shall provide athletics separately on such basis b 
Notwithstanding the requirements of paragraph A that we just read, a public K-20 educational institution may operate or sponsor separate teams for members of each sex if the selection for such teams is based upon competitive skill or the activities involved in a bodily contact sport. However, when a public K-20 educational institution operates or sponsors a team in a particular sport for members of one sex, but does not operate or sponsor such a team for members of the other sex, the athletic opportunities for that sex have previously been limited members of the excluded sex must be allowed to try out for the team offered now this is really interesting so when i went to tennessee tech you could actually not have a club or organization have a a basically overall the number of clubs if they were not considered co-ed could not outweigh one sex over the other so for example uh, I know that there were people who had a difficult time getting, I think it was the rifle team, to be able to be like uh, sanctioned as a club or organization because you would have to have, at the same time, another sport or uh, team be in so that there was a balance between men and women. And what was really interesting about that was that the rifle team was co-ed, but you had to register it as one or the other. I'm feeling like there's maybe something similar going on here, um, but it is protecting equal access. So, for example, if there is a men's football team and it's looking like, let's just assume the school doesn't have a women's football team, then the women have to be able to try out because the school is not offering something equal for them in their own sex then it's looking like those people will be evaluated based off of their skill. But it does seem that they are pushing that the women in that instance, for at least my football example, would have to have the opportunity to try out for the men's team. C. This subsection does not prohibit the grouping of students in physical education classes and activities by ability as assessed by objective standards of individual performance developed and applied without regard to sex. However, when use of a single standard of measuring skill or progress in a physical education class has an adverse effect on members of one sex, the educational institution shall use appropriate standards which do not have such effect. D. A public K-20 educational institution which operates or sponsors interscholastic, intercollegiate, club, or intramural athletics shall provide equal athletic opportunity for members of both sexes. The Board of Governors shall determine whether equal opportunities are available at state universities. Now, this is interesting because it is designating who gets to decide, um, and it, in this instance, is decided as the Board of Governors. Now, in two, we have the Commissioner of Education shall determine whether equal opportunities are available in school districts and Florida college system institutions. In determining whether equal opportunities are available in school districts, and Florida college system institutions, the commissioner of education shall consider among other factors these things. A, whether the selection of sports and levels of competition effectively accommodate the interests and abilities of members of both sexes. B, the provision of equipment and supplies. C, scheduling of games and practice times. D, travel and per diem allowances. E, opportunities to receive coaching and academic tutoring. F. Assignment and compensation of coaches and tutors. G. Provision of locker room, practice, and competitive facilities. 
H. Provision of medical and training facilities and services. I. Provisions of housing and dining facilities and services. J. Publicity. Now, this is interesting to me. Because what we saw for the NCAA, I think it was this past year, was there was a large discrepancy between the women and the men's teams. The men had much better facilities. They had much better areas to perform. They were covered a lot more because that's just what the public tends to have as far as an interest. It's the men's NCAA is watched significantly more, followed significantly more than the women's NCAA. This seems at least from the language that we've read so far, to be indicating that a school cannot just say, oh yeah, we've got a men's team, we've got a women's team, and we throw all our money at the men's team, but not the women's team. It seems like it's protecting that, which, in my opinion, great. And there I go interjecting my opinion again. <laughs> all right, unequal aggregate expenditures for members of each sex or unequal expenditures for male and female teams if a public school or Florida college system institution operates or sponsors separate teams do not constitute non-implementation of this subsection, but the Commissioner of Education shall consider the failure to provide necessary funds for teams for one sex in assessing a quality of opportunity for members of each sex. Again, it seems to be saying that if there's a disparity between the two, it doesn't automatically indicate that this is not being upheld, but rather it needs to be considered by the Commissioner of Education. And it also seems from that wording, comment and tell me what you think on this wording. But to me, it seems to be saying that if, if the school is providing money, but then let's say there's a sponsor outside of the school that's giving the men's team more funds, then because the women's team still has the basis to function, the school is providing equal funding to both, let's presume in this instance, then it seems that the fact that there might be a donor or some sort of external force doesn't necessarily mean that it would be constituted as a failure to equally enforce. That is my interpretation. Let me know what you think here. Also comment and tell me if you think that this will be abused in the way or if it will actually be equally upheld because we, we should note there is often a difference or disparity between what the law says and how it's implemented. Loopholes exist. Comment, tell me what you think what those loopholes might be or how it might turn out. Subsection E, a public school or Florida college system institution may provide separate toilet, locker room, and shower facilities on the basis of gender, but such facilities shall be comparable to such facilities provided for students of the other sex. 4A, it shall constitute discrimination on the basis of race, color, national origin, or sex under this section to subject any student or employee to training or instruction that espouses, promotes, advances, inculcates, or compels such student or employee to believe any of the following concepts. Again, we are about to outline what that is. Members of one race, color, national origin, or sex are morally superior to members of another race, color, national origin, or sex. Number two, a person by virtue of his or her race, color, national origin, or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. Number three, a person's moral character or status as either privileged or oppressed is necessarily determined by his or her, her race, color, national origin, or sex. Number four. Members of one race, color, national origin, or sex cannot and should not attempt to treat others without respect to race, color, national origin, or sex. Number five, a person by virtue of his or her race, color, national origin, or sex bears responsibility for or should 
be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment because of actions committed in the past by other members of the same race, color, national origin, or sex. Number six, a person by virtue of his or her race, color, national origin, or sex should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment to achieve diversity, equity, or inclusion. Number seven, a person by virtue of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin bears personal responsibility for and must feel guilt, anguish, or other forms of psychological distress because of actions in which the person played no part. Committed in the past by other members of the same race, color, national origin, or sex. Number eight, such virtues as merit, excellence, hard work, fairness, neutrality, objectivity, and racial colorblindness are racist or sexist or were created by members of a particular race, color, national origin, or sex to oppress members of another race, color, national origin, or sex. B. Paragraph A that we just read may not be construed to prohibit discussion of the concepts listed therein as part of the larger course of training or instruction, provided such training or instruction is given in an objective manner without endorsement of the concepts. Again, this cuts against the idea that you can no longer have this as part of your training. It can be there. It seems like you can even require this training. You just can't force a particular ideology or perspective. Five, public schools and Florida college system institutions shall develop and implement methods and strategies to increase the participation of students of a particular race, color, national origin, sex, disability, or marital status in programs and courses in which students of that particular race, color, national origin, sex, disability, or marital status have been traditionally underrepresented, including but not limited to mathematics, science, computer technology, electronics, communications technology, engineering, and career education. Now that is interesting to me again, because it's saying that it shall target those groups that have not been as involved. One example of this might be that traditionally, if you look at the placement of women into STEM, Men tend to go into STEM fields, but women are more likely to go to college. I'm wondering if this section here is going to be able to take those demographics and say, okay, men are more likely, or excuse me, women are more likely to go to college, so let's help more men get into college. But also, men are more likely to go into STEM, and those have the higher paying careers. So we should begin cultivating an interest in the female demographics in those so that they have the option. I, I don't know. That's at least how it seems to be reading to me specifically in the last part where it talks about mathematics, science, computer technology, electronics. This is all STEM right here. Seven, the functions of the Office of Equal Educational Opportunity of the Development of Education shall include but are not limited to the following. D, conducting studies of the effectiveness of methods and strategies designed to increase the participation of students in programs and courses in which students of a particular race, color, national origin, sex, disability, or marital status have been traditionally underrepresented and monitoring the success of students in such programs or courses, including performing follow-up monitoring. Now, again, if what I'm understanding here, what I just mentioned is true, this is rather interesting because it seems that Florida is now not only not excluding particular people from areas, but it's actually giving them a better opportunity to receive the support that they need. At least from the wording, that is my takeaway. If you disagree, I'd love to hear why and uh, drop those comments. 
my allergies have been bothering me a little bit, so I keep taking some sips of my coffee here. <laughs> All right, section three, subsection three of section 1003.42, Florida statutes is renumbered as subsection five, paragraph B of subsection one and subsection two are amended in a new subsection three and subsection four are added to that section to read the following required introduction. And this is again, just shifting their bill so that they've, they, basically they're giving you a track changes on this document. All instructional materials, as defined in section 1006.29, paragraph 2, used to teach reproductive health or any disease, including HIV and AIDS, its symptoms, development, and treatment as part of the courses referenced in section 5, must be annually approved by a district school board in an open, noticed public meeting. Now, this raises several interesting points uh, <laughs> on several issues here. So, number one, it has to be accessible to the public it seemed and it can't just even meet the bare requirements of okay yeah we're in a public building but we're excluding people like it actually has to be accessible to the public again uh, and we'll see in a second here that it really reinforces that the parents have the rights to access the education and be aware of what their children are being taught but also you have to have uh, let's like STDs, HIV and AIDS, the symptoms, all of that, that has to be annually reviewed. And, and that is interesting because I wonder how often they're going to actually revamp the curriculum versus they just kind of pass it off as a check. All right, moving on to two, uh, members of the instructional staff of the public schools subject to the rules of the state board of education and the district school board shall teach efficiently and faithfully using the books and materials required that meet the highest standards for professionalism and historical accuracy. Now again, this is important. Professionalism, age appropriateness, and historical accuracy. It seems from the wording of this bill that Florida is trying very hard to balance those three things. Whether or not that will actually happen has yet to be seen because this law, and actually I forgot to mention this, it has been signed into law by Governor Ron DeSantis. So we'll see how it's actually implemented. Following the prescribed courses of study and employing approved methods of instruction, the following, let's see, we got a, at least A and B here on the screen. So A, the histor, uh, excuse me, historic key, the history and content of the Declaration of Independence, including national sovereignty, national law, self-evident truth, equality of all persons, limited government, popular sovereignty, and inalienable rights of life, liberty, and property, and how they form the philosophical foundation of our government. Now, this is interesting because I've noted this before, and it was that there is a difference between social studies and civics. Civics is much more about what is the function of government, what branches hold what power to do what. If we want to change something specific, what do we have to do? And I have actually posited the idea that as we switched over to social studies, that actual idea as it should be taught in civics has been lost because we've got people who are saying, okay, well, great, as long as x thing aligns with what i believe is best for society doesn't matter how it's done but if you listen to the way that i push back on a lot of these discussions we have i'm very much a person who's like we need to follow the rules we need to follow the constitution it needs to align with that because you can't just dig under that undermine it just because you agree with the end goal and it seems like florida is now pushing for students to be educated on what are the functions of government, including what is our state government allowed to do? What is the national government allowed to do, et cetera? 
All right. B, the history, meaning, significance, and effect of the provisions of the Constitution of the United States and amendments thereto with emphasis on each of the 10 amendments that make up the Bill of Rights and how the Constitution provides the structure of our government. Curriculum also has to teach C, the arguments in support of adopting our Republican form of government. Again, in case that <laughs> Republican happens to trigger anybody's thoughts in a specific thing, this is using the lowercase r, Republican, which is not the party. It is, in fact, the concept of a republic versus a democracy, not Republican versus Democrats. So they're not pushing for the Republicans. They're pushing for the republic, which is actually a more correct position because we are a republic or representative democracy not a true democracy so the arguments in support of adopting our republican form of government as they are embodied in the most important of the federalist papers that is also something that is not often taught because the federalist papers are basically in short a collection of arguments as to why the constitution functions the way that it should why our government should be the way that it is and I, at least i'm not aware of those being taught very often at least at the high school level unless you get in like a very niche college class not often taught all right d flag education including proper flag display and flag salute e the elements of civil government including the primary functions of and interrelationships between the federal government the state and its counties municipalities school districts and special districts F, the history of the United States, including the period of discovery, early colonies, the war for independence, the Civil War, the expansion of the United States to its present boundaries, the World War and the Civil Rights Movement, uh, World Wars, plural, and the Civil Rights Movement to the President. American history shall be viewed as factual, not as constructed, shall be viewed as knowable, teachable, and testable, and shall be defined as the creation of a new nation based largely on the universal principles stated in the Declaration of Independence. G1, the history of the Holocaust, 1933 to 1945, the systematic planned annihilation of European Jews and other groups by Nazi Germany, a watershed event in the history of humanity to be taught in a manner that leads to an investigation of human behavior, an understanding of the ramifications of prejudice, racism, and stereotyping, and an examination of what it means to be a responsible and respectful person for the purposes of encouraging tolerance of diversity in a pluralistic society and for nurturing and protecting democratic values, small d, uh, and institutions, including the policy definition and historical and current examples of anti-Semitism as described in section 1000.058 and, and the prevention of anti-Semitism. Each school district must annually certify and provide evidence to the department in a manner prescribed by the department that the requirements of this paragraph are met. And that's interesting because this is the only paragraph that says that you basically have to have an annual review of whether or not you're meeting this criteria. The department shall prepare and offer standards and curriculum for the instruction required by this paragraph and may seek input from the Commissioner of Education's Task Force on Holocaust Education or from any state or nationally recognized Holocaust educational organizations. Now, it's interesting to me that, again, this is one of the areas that tends to defer to other um, systems or institutions as kind of like this outside check on what's happening. The department may contract with any state or nationally recognized Holocaust educational organization to develop training for instructional personnel and grade appropriate classroom resources to support the developed curriculum. Two, the second week in November shall be designated as Holocaust Education Week in this state in recognition that November is the anniversary of Kristallnacht, widely recognized as the precipitating event that led to the Holocaust. 
H, the history of African Americans, including the history of African peoples before the political conflicts that led to the development of slavery, the passage to America, the enslavement experience, abolition, and the history of contributions of Americans of the African diaspora to society. Students shall develop an understanding of the ramifications of prejudice, racism, and stereotyping on individual freedoms and examine what it means to be a responsible and respectful person for the purpose of encouraging tolerance of diversity in a pluralistic society and for nurturing and protecting democratic values and institutions. Instruction shall include the roles and contributions of individuals from all walks of life and their endeavors to learn and thrive throughout history as artists, scientists, educators, business people, influential thinkers, members of the faith community, and political and governmental leaders and the courageous steps they took to fulfill the promise of democracy and unite the nation. Now, this is, again, interesting to me um, because they're arguing that the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, etc., they were not equally applied or equally enforced, but they themselves are still foundational documents, and it seems that that is the way that they will be arguing that this should and will be taught. Instructional materials shall include the vital contributions of African Americans to build and strengthen American society and celebrate the inspirational stories of African Americans who prospered even in the most difficult circumstances. Frederick Douglass would be a great example of that, which is why I brought him up earlier. Instructional personnel may facilitate discussions and use curricula to address, in an age-appropriate manner, how the individual freedoms of persons have been infringed, infringed by slavery, racial oppression, racial segregation, and racial discrimination, as well as topics relating to the enactment and enforcement of laws resulting in racial oppression, racial segregation, and racial discrimination, and how recognition of these freedoms has overturned these unjust laws. Now, this is why at the start I stated that anyone who has actually read this bill or listened to me read it uh, is not going to be able to walk away with the idea that they are trying to undermine the actual history of the U.S. And it's important to note that they're trying to argue through this bill, it seems, that you don't need critical race theory, the, the fundamentals of racial essentialism that by nature of being white or black, you fall into X category, but instead we truly teach the history in all of its good and bad instances so that we can learn from those instances and that we acknowledge where we have started and where we are now at. And that's what this last sentence that I read says that the recognition of those freedoms has overturned these unjust laws. So for example, unjust laws, <laughs> I mean, one great example of this would be all of the Jim Crow era laws, all of the segregation, uh, Brown v. Board, the Brown v. Board of Education that basically made it so that we were reintegrated and no longer segregated when it came to the school systems. You're seeing that we acknowledge these things, but that we also don't get hung up on the past and say that we have never changed, that we actually look at how have we changed and where can we shift, is what it seems to be acknowledging. However, classroom instruction and curriculum may not be used to indoctrinate or persuade students to a particular point of view inconsistent with the principles enumerated in subsection 3 or the state academic standards. The department shall prepare and offer standards and curriculum for the instruction required by this paragraph and may seek input from the Commissioner of Education's African American History Task Force. Subsection I, 
the elementary principles of agriculture, subsection J, the true effects of all alcoholic and intoxicating liquors and beverages and narcotics upon the human body and mind. K, kindness to animals. L, the history of the state. M, the conservation of natural resources. N, Comprehensive, age-appropriate, and developmentally appropriate K-12 instruction on the following. 1. Health education that addresses concepts of community health, consumer health, environmental health, and family life, including the following. Injury, prevention and safety, internet safety, nutrition, personal health, prevention and control of disease, substance use, and abuse, Prevention of child sexual abuse, exploitation, and human trafficking. 2. For students in grades 7 through 12, teen dating violence and abuse. Again, that actually gives specifics on what is going to be considered by the state standards to be age appropriate. 7 through 12. This component must include, but not be limited to, the definition of dating violence and abuse, the warning signs of dating violence and abusive behavior, the characteristics of healthy relationships, measures to prevent and stop dating violence and abuse, and community resources available to victims of dating violence and abuse. 3. For students in grades 6 through 12, awareness of the benefits of sexual abstinence as the expected standard and the consequences of teenage pregnancy. 4. Life skills that build confidence, support mental and emotional health, and enable students to overcome challenges, including self-awareness and self-management, responsible decision-making, resiliency, relationship skills and conflict resolution, understanding and respecting other viewpoints and backgrounds. For grades 9 through 12, this would include developing leadership skills, interpersonal skills, organizational skills, and research skills, creating a resume, including a digital resume, Exploring career pathways, using state career planning resources, developing and practicing the skills necessary for employment interviews, workplace, workplace ethics and workplace law, managing stress and expectations, and self-motivation. Health education and life skills, instruction, and materials may not contradict the principles enumerated in Section 3. Such additional materials, subject courses, or fields in such grades are as prescribed by law or by the rules of the State Board of Education and the District School Board in filling the requirements of law. Subsection P. The study of Hispanic contributions to the United States. Q. The study of women's contributions to the United States. R. The nature and importance of free enterprise to the United States economy. S. Civic and character education. They did a lot of backspacing here. Hold on. Citizenship. Okay, so civic and character education on the qualities and responsibilities of patriotism and citizenship, including kindness, respect for authority, life, liberty, and personal property, honesty, charity, racial, ethnic, and religious tolerance, and cooperation. This is like reading a document and track changes. Uh, and for grades 11 and 12, voting using the uniform primarily and general election ballot described in section 101.151. So that's interesting. It sounds like they're actually including education on how to vote. T. 
guarantee. In order to encourage patriotism, the sacrifices that veterans and Medal of Honor recipients have made in serving our country and protecting democratic values worldwide, lowercase d, uh, such instruction must occur on or before Medal of Honor Day, Veterans Day, and Memorial Day. Members of the instructional staff are encouraged to use the assistance of local veterans and Medal of Honor recipients when practicable. The State Board of Education is encouraged to adopt standards and pursue assessment of the requirements of this subsection. Instructional programming that incorporates the values of the recipients of the Congressional Medal of Honor and that is offered as part of the social studies, English language, arts, or other school-wide character building and veteran awareness initiative meets the requirements of paragraph T. The legislator acknowledges the fundamental truth that all persons are equal before the law and have inalienable rights. Accordingly, instruction and supporting materials on the topics enumerated in this section must be consistent with the following principles of individual freedom. A. No person is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously, solely by virtue of his or her race or skin. Again, ties back to individualism. B. No race is inherently superior to another race. C. No person should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment solely or partly on the basis of race, color, national origin, religion, disability, or sex. D. Mediocrity or traits such as, excuse me, not mediocrity, meritocracy, a <laughs> big difference. So meritocracy or traits such as hard work ethic are not racist, but fundamental to the right to pursue happiness and be rewarded for industry. E, a person by virtue of his or her race or sex does not bear responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race or sex. F. A person should not be instructed that he or she must feel guilt, anguish, or other forms of psychological distress for actions in which he or she played no part, committed in the past by other members of the same race or sex. Now, you'll note that there is a lot of repetition going on here, and that is because they have basically pinpointed what they're dealing with, and then they've talked about specifically implementing it, and you think... Ryan, this is getting very redundant, and yes, that's the case, and in fact, that's actually the point, because what will happen is schools will be evaluated based off of how they measure up to this law once it goes into effect. They have to be incredibly specific. So that is why I read through this so that you can pick apart the wording if you choose to, or you can understand where I'm getting my summary and ideas from, because I read this in advance and then we go through it, but that is why it is so repetitive, because by law, it actually is a bit necessary. Instructional personnel may facilitate discussion and use curricula to address, in an age-appropriate manner, how the freedoms of persons have been infringed by sexism, slavery, racial oppression, racial segregation, and racial discrimination, including topics relating to the enactment and enforcement of laws resulting in sexism, racial oppression, racial segregation, and racial discrimination, including how recognition of these freedoms have overturned these unjust laws. Again, important distinction between where were these laws and where are we now? Have we reached equality, equal opportunity? However, classroom instruction and curriculum may not be used to indoctrinate or persuade students to a particular point of view, inconsistent with the principles of this subsection or state academic standards. Four, 
The State Board of Education shall develop or adopt a curriculum to inspire future generations through motivating stories of American history that demonstrate important life skills and the principles of individual freedom that enable persons to prosper even in the most difficult circumstances. This curriculum shall be known as Stories of Inspiration and made available to schools to implement the requirements of subsection 3. Section 4, paragraph D of uh, subsection 2 of section 1006.31, Florida Statutes, is amended to read the following. Duties of the Department of Education and School District Instructional Materials Reviewer. The duties of the Instructional Materials Reviewers are as followed. Are as... The the reviewer are as follows. Evaluation of Instructional Materials. To use the selection criteria listed in section 1006.34 section 2b and recommend uh, and recommend for adoption only those instructional materials aligned with the next generation sunshine state standards provided for in section 1003.41 instructional materials recommended by each reviewer shall be to the satisfaction of each reviewer accurate objective balanced non-inflammatory current free of pornography and material prohibited under section 847.012 and suited to student needs and their ability to comprehend the material presented. Reviewers shall consider for recommendation materials developed for academically talented students, such as students enrolled in advanced placement courses. When recommending instructional materials, each reviewer shall require, when appropriate to the comprehension of students, the materials for social science, history, or civics classes contain the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. A reviewer may not recommend any instructional materials that contain any matter reflecting unfairly, uh, reflecting unfairly upon persons because of their race, color, creed, national origin, ancestry, gender, religion, disability, socioeconomic status, or occupation, or otherwise contradict the principles enumerated under section 1003.423. Basically what we just read. Section 5. Paragraph B of subsection 4 of section 1012.98, Florida Statutes is amended to read, School Community Professional Development Act, the Department of Education, school districts, schools, Florida college system institutions, and state universities share the responsibilities described in this section. These responsibilities include the following. So again, this is the amendment to the law that's now going to read this. Here are the responsibilities of each of the things that were just mentioned, basically all the schools in Florida. Each school district shall develop a professional development system as specified in subsection 3. The system shall be developed in consultation with teachers, teacher educators of Florida college system institutions and state universities, businesses and community representatives, and local education foundations, consortia, and professional organizations. The professional development system must... One, be reviewed and approved by the department for compliance with section 1003.423. And this section, all substantial revisions to the system shall be submitted to the department for review for continued approval. Two, it must be based on analysis of student achievement data and instructional strategies and methods that support rigorous, relevant, and challenging curricula for all students. Schools and districts in developing and refining the professional development system shall also review and monitor school discipline data, school environment surveys, assessment of parental satisfaction, performance appraisal data data of teachers, managers, and administrative personnel, and other performance indicators to identify school and student needs that can be met by improved professional performance. Three, 
it shall provide in-service activities coupled with follow-up support appropriate to accomplish district-level and school-level improvement goals and standards. The in-service activities for instructional personnel shall focus on analysis of student achievement data, ongoing formal and informal assessments of student achievement, identification and use of enhanced and differentiated instructional strategies that emphasize rigor, relevance, and reading in the content areas, enhancement of subject content expertise, integrated use of classroom technology that enhances teaching and learning, classroom management, parent involvement, and school safety. Four, it must provide in-service activities and support targeted to the individual needs of new teachers participating in the professional development certification and education competency under uh, section 1012.568A. It must five, include a master plan for in-service activities pursuant to rules of the State Board of Education for all district employees from all fund sources. The master plan shall be updated annually by September 1st, must be based on input from teachers and district school instructional leaders, and must use the latest available student achievement data and research to enhance rigor and relevance in the classroom. Basically, before each school session for high school begins, they've got to have this updated. Each district in-service plan must be aligned to and support the school-based in-service plans and school improvement plans pursuant to section 1001.4218. Each district in-service plan must provide a description of the training that middle grades, instructional personnel, and school administrators receive on the district's code of student conduct adopted pursuant to section 1006.07, integrated digital instruction and competency-based instruction and CAPE digital tools, certificates, and CAPE industry certifications. I'm not familiar with CAPE. Uh, classroom management, student behavior, and interaction. These people, it's just one long, long run-on sentence. Extended learning opportunities for students and instructional leadership district plans must be approved by the district school board annually in order to ensure compliance with subsection 1 and to allow for dissemination of research-based best practices to other districts. District school boards must submit verification of their approval to the Commissioner of Education no later than October 1st annually. Each school principal may establish and maintain an individual professional development plan for each instructional employee assigned to the school as a seamless component to the school improvement plans developed uh, under section 1001.4218. An individual professional development plan must be related to specific performance data for the students to whom the teacher is assigned. Define the in-service objectives and specific measurable improvements expected in student performance as a result of the in-service activity and include an evaluation component that determines the effectiveness of the professional development plan. Number six, it must include in-service activities for school administrative personnel that address updated skills necessary for instructional leadership and effective school management. 
Seven, it must provide for systematic consultation with regional and state personnel designated to provide technical assistance and evaluation of local professional development programs. Number eight, it must provide for delivery of professional development by distance learning and other technology-based delivery systems to reach more educators at lower costs. Number nine, it must provide for continuous evaluation of the quality and effectiveness of professional development programs in order to eliminate ineffective programs and strategies and to expand effective ones. Evaluations must consider the impact of such activities on the performance of participating educators and their students' achievement and behavior. Number 10, for middle grades, it must emphasize the following. A, interdisciplinary planning, collaboration, and instruction. B, alignment of curriculum and instructional materials to the state academic standards adopted uh, pursuant to section 1003.41. C, it must incorporate the use of small learning communities, problem-solving, inquiry-driven research, and analytical approaches for students, strategies, and tools based on student needs. Competency-based instruction integrated digital instruction and project-based instruction a lot of this especially in that section c there that i just read sounds like a lot of skills people don't learn until they get to college each school that includes any of grades six seven or eight must include in its school improvement plan requiring under section 1001.42 subsection 18 a description of the specific strategies used by the school to implement each item listed in this subparagraph so if you're getting a little bit lost, let me just pause here for a second to explain what's going on. In essence, they are saying that each year we will have a school improvement plan, but it can't be vague. It needs to be very specific. It needs to be data driven. It needs to be connected to the students needs, the needs of the teachers, and even from the inputs from the parents. Number 11, it must provide training to reading coaches, classroom teachers, and school administrators in effective methods of identifying characteristics of conditions, such as dyslexia and other causes of diminished phonological processing skills. Incorporating instructional techniques into the general education setting, which are proven to improve reading performance for all students, and using predictive and other data to make instructional decisions based on individual student needs. The training must help teachers integrate phonet uh, phonemic awareness, phonics, word study and spelling, reading fluency, vocabulary, including academic vocabulary, and text comprehension strategies into an explicit, systematic, and sequential approach to reading instruction, including multisensory intervention strategies. Each district must provide all elementary grades instructional personnel access to training sufficient to meet the requirements of section 1012.585 subsections 3f now section 6 says that paragraph d of subsection 3 of section 1002.20 for statutes is amended to read the following k-12 student and parental rights parents of public school students must receive accurate and timely information regarding their child's academic progress and must be informed of ways that can help their child to succeed in school now this is interesting because in the past we have talked about the importance of allowing not just parents to be involved but also for parents to be taking an active role and it seems to me that from the legislation we're reading here that florida is doing exactly that at least providing the parents the opportunity K-12 students and their parents are afforded numerous statutory rights, including but not limited to the following. A. Health issues. Actually, that's three. Health issues. Uh, 3D. 
reproductive health and disease education a public school student whose parent makes written requests to the school principal shall be exempted from the teaching of reproductive health or any disease including hiv and aids in accordance with section 1003.425 each school district shall on the district's website homepage notify parents of this right and the process to request an exemption the homepage must include a link for a student's parent to access and review the instructional materials as defined in section 1006.292 used to teach the curriculum. Now, that is, again, interesting because not only are they allowing them to have the exemption, they are ensuring and honestly, through this law, enshrining the parents, uh, the parental rights to determine whether or not their child learns about this from the school, from them, at what time, like they are giving those rights to the parents, but they're also requiring that the school make this easy to access. Section 7, paragraph B of subsection 4 of section 1006.40, Florida statutes is amended to read, use of instructional materials, allocation instructional materials, Library books and reference books, repair of books. Each of the district school board is responsible for the content of all materials used in a classroom or otherwise made available to students. Each district school board shall adopt rules and each district school superintendent shall implement procedure that B provides a process for public review of, public comment on, and the adoption of instructional materials, including instructional materials used to teach reproductive health or any disease, including HIV or AIDS, under section 1003.425 and 1003.46, which satisfies the requirement of section 1006.283, 2B89, and 11. So basically with all those numbers, what this is saying is that they are not going to micromanage and instead they defer to each of the school districts to decide what books are going to be appropriate so long as they meet specific requirements of the school board and the state uh, board of governors. So it is possible, it seems, under this law, at least from my opinion, and I'd love to hear what you think, but it does seem that under this law, you're going to get a little bit more say, not only from the parents, but also from the school districts and the teachers. You might have a little bit of variety even between the Florida school districts. Section 8, and this is the final thing, and we've made it all the way through this act, shall take effect July 1st. 2022 so that is actually coming up i am reading this uh in the month of may second week and uh yeah we've got less than well actually no yeah less than two two months at this point so that that is uh coming up quick so it's it's already it's already been signed by governor ron santos so yeah um tell me what what you think of all of this uh do you agree with the law disagree tell me if you want to hear this debated uh, i try to keep comments on this to a minimum unless it is going to help you understand why this law is being passed might provide some context might provide uh some background maybe some examples but uh, in these segments it is more about you being aware of what your legislator or other legislators are passing i i have no connection to florida but it is something that is going to affect the residents of Florida, obviously. So, uh, especially if you're a Florida resident, uh, Ken, taboo topic, tell me, <laughs> what do you think of this? Uh, but yeah, let us know. And uh, remember, you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on Apple, YouTube, Twitch, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on our social medias to stay updated. We got a lot of new stuff coming up for you. And if you enjoyed this show, give us a five star review. Tell us and others what you like about this show. How can we better serve you? I'd love to hear from you. 
Share us with your friends. Get us out there. Help us beat that algorithm. Make sure you find yourself somewhere between the liars. Goodbye for now. <laughs>